All right, folks, Thursday night, winners and losers on the Big 550 KTRS. Brendan Weesey, Ben Fredrickson, and it's a special Super Bowl edition of the program tonight. Of course, the big game is Sunday night. It's the Chiefs. It's the 49ers. I welcome Ben Fred into the conversation to know, really, are there two more bigger NFL guys in this market than than me and you, Ben. Usually we're breaking down, you know, second string, maybe third string depth charts of all the teams in the NFC South. We're we're looking at those emerging special teamers on the Seattle Seahawks, maybe the Denver Broncos. You just really never know what kind of NFL insight we're going to have. I've really now look. I've spent all day running my Super Bowl simulation and. <laughs> I've been using my proprietary uh, projections to pick my winner. Now, um, tune in um, tomorrow, and I'll reveal my pick. I love that. There, I've seen multiple networks. Tune in Friday for, for this Talking Head Super Bowl projection. Okay, I really don't care that much. Um, and, and the reality is you pick one, and, and you got a 50% chance of being right, right? Um, it's not uh, rocket science here, but look, man, I'm to the point now where, like, I don't get annoyed by the Super Bowl. Um, some of the coverage of it is a bit uh, is, is a bit ridiculous. The media day is a circus. Uh, I'm glad that I'm kind of in a spot where, you know, I can I can go to a Super Bowl party. I'll have it on. I'll probably take a nap during it. I'll probably enjoy some nachos. Um, I realized today I wasn't invited to a Super Bowl party. I don't know if that says more about my NFL disinterest or uh, lack of a social life. So will that impact your ability to have nachos? And, uh, I'll make them at home. Okay, no, all right. for me. All right. I, I, I'm kind of to the point where it's like I view it as kind of like um, maybe like, uh, like the okay, here's an example, like the, the, the CMAs. Like I'll watch that. Honestly, if you told me the CMAs were on and I get to see some country music artists I like, I'd probably pick that over the Super Bowl if they were head-to-head. But it's an event. I know everybody will be talking about it. I'll watch it, but I'm not going to like abstain from it. But I'm also, I don't feel this like wave of angst or anxiety. And I also am not like on the edge of my couch like, oh, my God, I can't wait for the Super Bowl to get here. It'll be on, and, and, and I'll, I'll pay some attention. But even as someone who kind of has, a, I would say, a, a like, a, a general fondness of the Chiefs from how I grew up watching them, I, I, I just don't have it in me to get real fired up about it. I'll be honest. But I feel like we're in the, and this is where I want to sort of want to start the show tonight, where we're the two losers because we're not <laughs> big NFL guys. But I feel like we both were, and we've had conversations before off the record. I should say off the air. That sounds a little uh, too formal, off the record with us. But we've had conversations before. I mean, you're you're a you're a big football guy, and if the NFL yeah. were here, I, I feel like you would have poured a, a lot of your hard work and effort into covering the pro NFL team, whether it be the Rams or whether another team uh, in some fantasy uh, alternate universe would have moved here in the last <laughs> six or seven years. You would have poured your heart and soul into it. You oh, would yeah. have, we, we, we would have both loved it. And I mean, yeah. I know what it's like covering an NFL team here and, and having – the entire market behind it. I, I, I've said it before. I'll say it again. The the Rams owned this town from, let's call it, and well, and they owned the town. Funny, the first couple of years they moved here, I feel like they owned the town. They owned the market. They owned the the 
the the main sports share of of the market, and then that sort of faded. I think the Cardinals revved back up. The Blues were sort of always in that first second round playoff mix each and every year in the Stanley Cup playoffs. McGuire happened, but then early ninety nine. I should say early in that ninety nine NFL season, greatest show on turf. Rams owned this market from. November, uh, let's say early October 1999 through, I'd almost want to say early to mid-2003 until until that team lost, that, that Rams team lost, so maybe early 04. But the Rams held the attention of this, of this market, whether it be in the football season, whether it be out of the football season, this was an NFL town. And we know what what's happened since obviously it's um you know things have changed dramatically but i feel like i mean i was as big an nfl guy as there was ben and i, and I loved nfl sundays i loved fantasy football loved any everything that went around with the product and i i have since fallen off that bandwagon but certainly super bowls in years gone by i have I have waited for it with bated breath. I've been pumped up. Whether the Rams were involved or not, this was a big deal, and I'm not that way anymore. And, again, I'm kind of bummed out that I don't care about it, but I don't. I really, I mean, again, I'm going to watch on Sunday, but it's just not going to really matter. I watch it because it's probably part of our job, right? We should be somewhat informed as to what happened by the time Monday rolls around, but uh, I, I'm gonna be pretty indifferent uh, watching it, and and I and I've, I've got friends that root for the Chiefs, so it's easy for me to though to then in turn root for the Chiefs as well. But I really don't care. Yeah, I I I, you, I wanted to have apathy immediately when the NFL you know ripped the Rams and or allowed the Rams to, to depart, whatever you, however you want to phrase it. I wanted to have an apathy immediately, and I didn't. I was bitter. I was angry. I mean, look, part of the reason I. The um, way back in 2015, when I when I moved to St. Louis, part of it was the thrill of it was getting to cover the NFL, um, in addition yeah. to all the other sports. And I really I spent a lot of time covering the Rams upon my return, and and spent a lot of time more than I probably should have covering the Rams relocation saga. And I'll be honest, man, like if we're really like getting into the diary entries, like covering that really bummed me out because. I was disappointed in a lot of the coverage of it. I was kind of, in some ways, disappointed with people's attention span on it or lack thereof. I was frustrated by the come Johnny Come Latelys who floated the idea of well, they could get an expansion team or relocated team out of this if they play nice with the NFL, which was like never true. It was never going to happen. But so many people bought it and just ran with it and wanted it to be true that. They were angry. They were at best ignoring people saying that's not how this is going to go down. At worst, they were angry at the, at the people who were saying this, telling the truth. That it kind of just made me just kind of like there's. I realized like I'm not going to talk anybody out of wanting an NFL team, and I shouldn't. It's not my job to. Um, I understand it, but to me, it's like kind of like I honestly the closest thing I can compare it to a little bit is like when I found out, like, professional wrestling wasn't real, like, as a kid, where it's like you see the inner workings of something and you're kind of like, I can't really look at it the same. Like, look, 
no one should or could debate that the product isn't good. The football's good. The players are amazing at what they do. If you like the game of football, which I love, um, you know, I'll watch it in terms of like, that's an amazing play. If I see a highlight, I don't see an NFL highlight and go wash my eyes out with, with, with soap. <laughs> Not that, that would be painful, but go rinse my eyes out. I, I just knowing how the league operates, knowing how St. Louis was handled and treated, knowing, seeing what it continues to do and puts other cities in the same place. It really did in some ways. It kind of, it kind of made it hard to ignore. So even when I watch it now, I kind of watch it through that lens. Um, and, it's kind of like finding out a deep, dark secret about somebody that you can't really forget. Like, you may speak to them at a social function, or heaven forbid, you may have to work with them at some point, but it doesn't mean you're going to forget, and you don't forgive it. So you just kind of change, and that's kind of where I'm at. Like, I'll watch it. I won't care at all if Kansas City loses. I'll say, oh, that sucks for my friends who are Chiefs fans. Right. My family loves the Chiefs. And I grew up watching, you know, the Chiefs and, and living and dying with some of their games, but... It, it won't. It, it doesn't affect me emotionally, and and I don't think it ever it ever will again. Um, it, it's you know too much. I think a lot of people feel that same way, um, and I also know there are a lot of people who have been able to just kind of move on, move on to the Chiefs. I I I, I can understand that. I don't begrudge people who do it, but uh, I also understand people who just kind of feel like, yeah, I don't have it in me anymore, and they root for their fantasy team or they. They feel like they're they're just kind of on the outside looking in, which is kind of how I feel now. So I mean, people people know our background now. I mean, if 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 they're just hearing us for the first time and maybe didn't realize uh, <laughs> our uh, our history with with the league, but I mean, certainly there are game. I mean, is there a Super Bowl game that you think back on and say, or, or maybe a first one where you really got into it, or one where it was just, man, this is. This is what it's all about. This game matters more than anything else. I'm going to watch all year long. Is is there was there one particular Super Bowl game that stands out to you that had that effect? Oh, I mean, I remember watching the Rams win it. Um, I, I had a I had a for years and years. One of my prized sports possessions was a was a signed like white dingy T shirt that I got from Grant Winstrom at a at a state football high, like a high school state playoff football game. He happened to be there watching. Uh, Web City, I believe, and um, I had him autograph. It's like I, <laughs> like I remember those Rams scenes. I, my dad had a friend who lived in, in uh, outside of Troy, Missouri, and we would go and stay like a weekend with them. And he had Rams season tickets. And I remember one time, like back when they handed out the uh, the, the French fry, like the noise, no- they weren't noisemakers; they were the, the noodles. French fry looking the noodles. Yeah. Dude, I had those in, in Sedalia, Missouri. Oh, yeah. I thought I was like the coolest kid. Um, so those Rams teams, for sure. Um, I remember. I mean, you can remember specific Super Bowl ads, and um, we would always go to you know Super Bowl parties, and and that like it, it is very much in a part of our Americana culture, um, and that's true whether people love football or have have no interest in it. I mean, that's the thing is like if you. Hey, if you t- turn the Rams' departure into, you know, not being able to be connected to anything football related, you, what are you going to do? Sit on your, sit in your room with the lights off when the, your neighbors ask you to come over to watch the Super Bowl? Like, no, go enjoy the time with your friends and uh, and, and and enjoy it. But uh, giving taking that away would probably be giving the uh, the NFL too much. Um, but yeah, growing up, it was always uh, it was always 
part of the part of the year. Like the Super Bowl was always a a big deal. You know, it's funny. Like in terms of actual like games that. The one that immediately comes to mind, and it was when I was covering uh, University of Wyoming, I was watching it, I remember when the lights went out that year, um, I think Bal- that was the year Baltimore was in it, right, where they had the, uh, didn't the, the don't, like the whatever stadium they were in, the lights cut out. It was so like, like down at the Superdome, right? Yeah, I think it was, for like, and they were out for a, like 15 minutes. Yeah. And I remember thinking that was so, so bizarre, but... Just for some reason, that was that was on the top of my brain when you asked that. Like, which Super Bowl do you remember most? And that <laughs> immediately came to mind. Well, I, for me, the ones that stand out, because growing up, it felt like the Super Bowl was always a blowout. Like, the NFC Championship was always where it's at. The 49ers, Cowboys, maybe the Packers were in the mix. And those games, like, okay, whoever comes out of the NFC is going to win this thing. And the Super Bowl is just going to be a letdown. But then it wasn't the case. And it was... After the 97 season, so it would have been the 98 Super Bowl, Packers, Broncos. And I was I was kind of a far fan. Definitely a Terrell Davis fan of the Denver Broncos. TD, remember, has that migraine, takes him out of the game. Mike Shanahan says, okay, we're gonna can can you go in the game as a decoy? We're not gonna we're not gonna give you the football because you couldn't see. TD couldn't see. And wow. and they set up a, a play action where uh, I, I can't remember if it's, a, if it's an Elway run or whether he threw for a touchdown, but they put DD in there as a decoy and they and they and they score a touchdown. But that was finally a game where it felt like wow, it came right down to the wire. Packers were the heavy favorite over the Broncos, and Denver Denver pulls the upset. It, it had the uh, it was the memorable John Elway helicopter spin touchdown yep. where yep. he uh, he dove for the end zone, got spun around. Awesome, awesome, awesome game, and it was finally like okay, wow, the Super Bowl can actually not just be about the pomp and circumstance and hoopla. The game can actually be good too. Then, of course, two years later, maybe the greatest, at least the late, greatest Super Bowl ending with the Rams and the Titans in those last few minutes because the game itself, the funny thing about Super Bowl 34 is that the game for about three quarters really felt strange because the Rams were up like 16-0 and the offense was good but not great. And then the Titans come roaring back in the fourth before Warner's uh, very memorable touchdown pass to Isaac Bruce. That, uh, but, but Super Bowl 34, I think, Ben, for a lot of folks, will stand out as maybe their favorite Super Bowl of all time. Certainly here locally for for those reasons, but I think a lot of people point back to that as as just one of the greatest football games of all time. Yeah, yeah that 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 uh, helicopter spin from Elway was was pretty uh, pretty iconic. It does seem like yeah, you're right. A lot of lopsided games in the Super Bowl, which. If the NFL was truly scripted, they would do a better job of uh, of keeping some of those things a little bit closer, so people would watch <laughs> a little bit a little bit more. Um, Peyton Manning comes to mind when I think of Super Bowls. Seemed like he was, uh, you know, some of the Peyton Manning Super Bowls were were up there in terms of in terms of memories and, uh, of course, you know, rooting against the Patriots, that kind of stuff. But uh, um, you know, it's uh, they all kind of blur together, except if you had kind of a team. A team in the fight. So to me, the ones with Missouri, Missouri teams stand out, jump out a little bit more. Um, and uh, it's it's interesting watching th- th- what's going on with the Chiefs playing, and so many of them here 
lately because I, I think we've really watched kind of this Chiefs arc of somewhat maybe like kind of like the Patriots had where uh, it's a sore subject here, obviously, beating the Rams, but then going on to start that, you know, dynasty with Brady and, and Belichick. And, you know, the Patriots weren't hated in the beginning. Um, that happened over time, and they created other reasons other than winning to stir that pot through allegations of Spygate and um, Deflategate. But um, the Chiefs, in some ways, are kind of becoming the team that I feel like they're on the precipice of going from the team everybody found pretty easy to like to the team that's won enough now that people are starting to find reasons not to like them, um, some of which are probably deserved. But uh, it, it's been it's been interesting to kind of watch the Chiefs be pushed into a little bit of a heel turn here because I think there's kind of Chiefs fatigue going on a little bit nationally. I think there is too. I, I feel like the Chiefs were, there was a point where they were America's team briefly. Everybody loved the Chiefs and this season and Taylor Swift's got something to do with it, but I think some <laughs> of the moments where Patrick Mahomes is on camera moaning and groaning and complaining about calls that weren't made, uh, again, some of the some of the shine has worn off of the Chiefs to where everybody can watch and everybody could could root for the Chiefs. That's not quite the way it is anymore. And I feel like the Chiefs suddenly, from being like legit America's team, they might be the new Patriots that everybody wants to hate outside of Missouri. Yeah, it's fascinating, and I'm curious to see if they can win under that. Um under that, I wouldn't say a cloud, but under that kind of perception change a little bit. Um, that's, that's, it's compelling to me. That's compelling TV. And then the 49ers, who we think of as being the, the team that's kind of the, you know, the, the team that would be easy to say, golly, get sick of seeing these guys in big games. And, and there's a national probably bias toward the 49ers. And, 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 and they're almost kind of like the underdog in this, which is fascinating. I think a lot of that's from, from Brock Purdy, who, what a cool story he is. Um, you know, this guy who is almost Kurt Warner-esque in his storyline. I don't think they're all that similar as quarterbacks in terms of how they play. I think Kurt had more more talent as a quarterback, but Purdy's done a great job with a great team, and this guy was literally Mr. Irrelevant. So there's some like there's some fantastic storylines here in this, in this game that are also kind of like um, non-traditional. Some of the ones that you... You, you thought you might see have been put on their head a little bit because of the nature of the teams and the, the success they've had and the star power of the quarterbacks. One more game to throw out there, Ben, of Super Bowls gone by was that uh, Cardinals-Steelers in Super Bowl, I guess would that have been... Now, I can't add up my Roman no numerals. Uh, it was after the 2008 season. Super Bowl XLIII Steelers Cardinals. <laughs> Remember, there was the uh, the great Santonio Holmes touchdown late. There was the James Harrison intercept, like a 101 yard interception return touchdown. One of the uh, greatest pick sixes, maybe. I think it was a pick six and not a fumble, if I if I if, if I'm remembering it correctly, but. But Harrison was uh, incredible there for Pittsburgh. But it was kind of Kurt Warner's last gasp. He had that great second act with the Cardinals and almost brought them from, a, I think, a wild card team to Super Bowl champions and fell just short of the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers. So that is one I've got to circle back to as well. 
Yeah, Kurt was uh, Kurt's a pretty humble guy. I thought he was rushing to compare himself to not not compare himself to, but he was he's been rushing this season to um, to to kind of defend Josh Allen from people saying he doesn't win the big game, and Kurt's trying to point out, well, you know, my career could have looked similar to that. It's it's nice of Kurt to do that, and he's humble, and we all know that. But th- th- that's not Kurt's story. I mean, Kurt did find ways to win uh, to win in big moments, and he did it at when no one thought he could, and he did it when uh, w- when he was able to, to come up big late in his career at times. So um, I, I respectfully would tell Kurt that he's that's not his that's not his battle to fight is is yeah. <laughs> defending quarterbacks and trying to tack his legacy next to the guys who can't seem to win the big one. He, that's not where he belongs. Uh, certainly not. We'll um, we'll dig in more to this uh, this particular game, this Super Bowl. 58, when we come back, it's winners and losers here on the Big 550. Brennan and Ben Fred with you. It is winners and losers, our Super Bowl edition, Ben. And All right, so we've got some winners and losers to hand out here and maybe ultimately a prediction in this game at the end of the program. But maybe we can find a winner here, Ben. What do you think? Well, I got a winner, and all mine are kind of like through my lens. I don't really care about breaking down the like the quarterbacks and stuff. Uh, I, I, to be honest, I haven't watched enough NFL this season to do so. I think Steve Wilkes is the winner, man. I mean, this guy, the, the no defensive coordinator for the 49ers, we laughed him out of Mizzou, and it was it was not a wrong opinion. He was terrible coaching in college. Eli Drinkwitz hired him as the defensive coordinator. He couldn't figure out if he wanted to coach up on the – in the booth or down on the sideline, his defense was getting torched, and Mizzou, move, Mizzou and Steve Wilkes part ways. Clearly, this seems to be an example of a guy just not being able to get his grips around the college game. He goes back to the NFL, and here are the 49ers with a chance to win a Super Bowl ring in his first year as defensive coordinator. So, look, I don't, I'm not going to defend what he did at Mizzou. Clearly, it wasn't a good fit. But clearly, Steve Wilkes is not the uh, mess of a defensive coordinator that we saw in Como. He's got it figured out a lot better. In uh, back when now that he's back in the pros, and the 49ers look very smart for making him their DC. Well, by proxy, Ben, doesn't this also make Coach Drink a winner because all of his coordinators have maybe not directly worked out for Mizzou. But whether it was Ryan Walters and retaining him, he's only just gone on to become a head coach at Purdue in the Big Ten. Maybe it's Blake Baker who helped turn a defense around and parlay his success at Mizzou to, I guess, call it a higher... I mean, to me, it's always going to be a lateral move, but obviously Blake Baker has done very well for himself and is going to be known as one of the great coordinators of all time, things have, uh, at, at Mizzou anyway, what Drink has found in his new offensive coordinator with Kirby Moore needs to be celebrated and, and an offense that took and made great strides this past season. But with Steve Wilkes, all he's done, Ben, is immediately leave Mizzou where maybe his style just wasn't a a, a, a proper match he goes on and was the interim coach with the Carolina Panthers and then goes on to be the defensive coordinator of the NFC champions and maybe 
the Super Bowl champion. So, no, Steve Wilkes didn't directly work out at Mizzou, but certainly Coach Drink had his eye for a guy that could coach because he certainly, for whatever reason, gets the job done at the NFL level, just couldn't figure it out for the life of him, had statistically the worst defense in college football when he was at Mizzou, yet somehow he's coordinating a potential Super Bowl champion. But, yeah, by proxy, i, I got to make uh, Coach Drink a winner here because his assistant coaches have all seemed to work out just maybe not immediately at Mizzou. Yeah, if the worst assistant hire you made is on the cusp of winning a, uh, a Super Bowl as a, as the same position a year, a couple years after you let him after you part ways, probably not all that terrible of a hire in terms of the likelihood it could have worked out. It just for whatever reason failed. Drinkwitz hired Blake Baker when he was a secondaries coach. That's how much he thought of him and knew that he was going to promote him probably one day to to be his defensive coordinator. So I, I think it bodes well for Drinkwitz's hire of Corey Batoon, the new defensive coordinator. And clearly Coach Wilkes has uh, proven some people wrong in terms of, uh, you know, in terms of what his, what his capabilities are. Just not a guy who fits in college. And I honestly think there are, there are some guys like that out there who, for whatever reason, they, they don't adapt well to the modern college football, but they're more comfortable and, and productive in the pros, and he's clearly in that, which I got another winner, too, man. It's the same job, um, same position. Steve Spagnuolo of the, uh, of the Chiefs. The, the Chiefs are in the Super Bowl not because of their offense. Patrick Mahomes has been carrying that offense this season, and Travis Kelsey, too, but the receivers have been bad. Um, they have not been as explosive as consistent offensively. The reason the Chiefs are in the Super Bowl is their defense, and I think Spags has really done a great job of you know, for a while, his career could have been defined as a, a failed head coach. And it takes a while as a successful coordinator to take that title and move it down your resume as a rock star uh, coordinator. And I think he's done that. I think this season has done that. He, he's kind of the heart and soul of this defense. It changes. It keeps producing. It's actually gotten a lot better year by year. And, and I think he's kind of one of the quiet stars of this Super Bowl. And could he parlay this success, Ben? Let's say the Chiefs win on Sunday night, and then on Monday morning, Andy Reid pulls a dick vermeil and retires just <laughs> mere hours after the conclusion of the Super Bowl. Again, devil's advocate here. Andy Reid rides off into the sunset. There's a vacancy with the Chiefs. Some might argue for Bill Belichick. Some might argue for another high-profile offensive-minded coach elsewhere in the league, but there's Steve Spagnolo sitting right there under their nose with the success he's just had with this defense. Could Steve Spagnolo possibly be the heir apparent and the next coach of the Kansas City Chiefs? Well, uh, man, if I were him, I would stay right where I am in terms of my role because I feel like that's his fit, and that's where he's he's got the ability to do the best work. Um, now that I've, I've had I often advocate for guys kind of realizing that and leaning into it, whether it's succeeding at their current jobs or or in their current roles. Here's the thing, man. I, I don't think Andy Reid's going anywhere. Um, he said he's not thinking about retiring. Patrick Mahomes has said he's not thinking about retiring. Maybe they've got a great uh, a great spin going on everybody else. But here's the thing, man. If you're Andy Reid, the day you retire is the day you go to practice and Patrick Mahomes doesn't make the pass that you know he can make. It's the day that it's the day that all of a sudden he's not able to break a lot of those tackles and come up with a magical win. Like you don't retire on Patrick Mahomes in his prime. 
Um, you can retire in three, four years when all of a sudden he gets sacked, when all of a sudden those throws don't get, when all of a sudden, all of a sudden those throws aren't made. When the magic fades a little bit for him, if I'm Andy Reid, I'm out, but there's no way I'm doing it before then. So he's 65. He'll be 66 in March. You got to figure that, like you said, you, he's still right in the in the prime of Patrick Mahomes, but an opportunity to to maybe go out on top, and he certainly would exit in the middle of what some would consider a a dynasty. But you know what, Travis Kelsey's not long for this. He's probably closing in on retirement. You saw how much of a slog it was for the offense at times this year. You don't have the high-powered receivers yet. I mean, you could argue, okay, maybe you're one or two offensive weapons away for you being right back where you've been on offense and yet they're still right here in the Super Bowl, despite the offense taking a couple of ticks down. But, yeah, there's a couple ways to look at it. Either they're closing in on this dynasty ending, or they've got another uptick coming. So I I, I get what you're saying, but I think you can argue that the, the best days of this Chiefs run might be behind them. And if Andy Reid has a chance to go out on top after a win Sunday – Maybe he does indeed walk away. But I get your point. You're right. Patrick Mahomes is the best in the sport, and he's still in his 20s. He's got a long way to go before he's done. There's maybe multiple upticks left for this Chiefs team. So I could see Andy Reid wanting to stick around another three or four years if that's the case. Yeah, I mean, if I were if I were Andy, I'd, I'd, I'd tell I'd, – I'd just tag it to Patrick. I would, I would literally, when you feel like he's on the down slope, I'd bail. <laughs> it yeah. sounds cru- cruel to say, but there's no way I'd leave prime Patrick Mahomes on the table as a competitor because no matter what you have around him, he's the guy that everybody in the league wants. And I get it, they're young and good, up-and-coming quarterbacks. There's not another Patrick Mahomes right now. He's going to have a Tom Brady-like run as the NFL's best quarterback. And why would you, if you're healthy... If you're if you're content coaching, and it sounds like he is. I mean, hell, you don't cover him every day, but based off the quotes you read, it sounds like he's still having a good time. Why would you walk away from? Why would you walk away from that? Uh, walk away from the rebuild. Let that be somebody else's problem. I mean, this guy drafted Patrick Mahomes. He scouted him. He loved him. He saw this as something that they could build together. And uh, man, I, I would have a hard time if I were in issues of walking away before before Patrick. People but, in uh, Kansas. If he does, if he does, then somebody else gets to be our ultimate winner because getting a chance to be the head coach of this guy is a rare thing. Patrick Mahomes is the gifted thing that you rarely see. He's got that Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan um, thing going on where he puts in the work. He has the great talent, but he's also the ultimate competitor. I mean, he has a competitive drive and spirit that really the, the best place to see it is when you see those after-the-fact game uh, microphone mic'd up things that come out where they're trying to go get him to take an MRI and he's literally fighting with the medical staff to stay on the field and it's not for show. Like, it's not even stuff that's supposed to get out. I mean, this guy's an ultimate competitor combined with elite skill. And if Andy Reid, Andy Reid's coached a long time without, he knows what the difference is when you have it when you don't and your best player, your most important guy and golly, that would be a very hard thing to, to walk away from, I think. Patrick Mahomes has helped everyone forget the fact that Andy Reid 
for a long time was viewed as that coach that could never win the big one. That he'd always make one or two calls throughout the course of the game that would submarine his team. And usually it would happen, and heck, it was still happening with Mahomes at the very, very beginning of his run. But, yeah, that seems like a long time ago, Ben. That narrative is completely gone. And, and you know what? You know what seemed to to be actually the play that kind of ended it is that remember when they did that stupid quarterback sneak with Mahomes and he got hurt? Yeah, and yeah. He like it was like a scare, but he was okay. And that almost like seemed to be like the reality check that got the Chiefs out of doing that stuff. It's almost like they so it's it got through their heads. Like you've got a very special quarterback, let him do his thing and don't put him in unnecessarily risky situations. And it's like ever since ever since then they've. Doing pretty good. <laughs> yeah, no doubt, uh, no doubt about it. Let's uh, let's take another break here, Ben. Couple more winners and losers, and we'll maybe go a little faster, rapid fire mode when we come back. Uh, sending you into our final thoughts on Super Bowl Fifty Eight after this. Brendan and Ben Fred with you, winners and losers on a Thursday. We're talking Super Bowl tonight, Chiefs and Forty Niners. On a Sunday, I, and and a loser for me, Ben. I, I do feel like the the odds makers have gotten this wrong. I, I mean, it's tough to now. Granted, it, it it's it's always appropriate to remember and and remind folks the odds makers are not predicting a final score. They are setting the number to get the most action from betters. So I've got to imagine the line has stayed at about a point, point and a half for the 49ers for the large part of these two weeks since the game was set. So it must be doing the trick. Otherwise, this number would be fluctuating quite a bit. So I don't know. Maybe they did get it right. Yeah, i I, I got to tell you, they're, they're, they're luring people in here. Um, I, I would have a hard time putting money on the line on the opposite side of Patrick Mahomes for all the reasons that uh, – reasons that we just talked about but these the house is the house for a reason and if you've read headline stories about how much money is going to be bet on this game with it being in las vegas holy smokes what a what an enterprise that uh, that sports betting has become now that it's nationally uh legal in most states and the fact that they're dropping the super bowl in vegas you got the espn bet app right there on the web page i i don't know what exactly they're seeing but uh but it makes it tempting. If you think the Chiefs are going to win, it makes it tempting to to put some money on this thing because if the Chiefs go out there and take care of business, then a lot of people are going to say, yeah, that's kind of what I figured were going to happen. Um, and, I, and I think you're seeing the, the – it's almost like, the, it's almost like the, the Vegas side of it is, is saying, okay, it could be a pretty close game, so there's so much money to be made on people betting on the Chiefs. That maybe they're maybe they're making a little bit of a bet themselves is almost what I wonder a little bit, but they're right so often it, it does yeah. make you make you know make you want to know what they know. Well, let me throw a winner out here, Ben, and maybe it's the future careers of NFL running backs because I think they've gotten a little boost from the top guys in this game. Isaiah Pacheco and the Chiefs, he's got three yeah. touchdowns this postseason. This guy very quietly is a pretty doggone good back, fell just short of a 1,000 yards this year in Kansas City. And then on the other side, it's just maybe the best running back in the game in Christian McCaffrey, who was stuck in no man's land there with the Carolina Panthers before he was dealt last year to the 49ers. 
and, and what a boost it's been. And McCaffrey's game has basically not fallen off at, at, at all. He's a poor man's Marshall Falk to where he's a great pass catcher out of the backfield. He's a tremendous runner, be it on the outside, be it between the tackles. He can really do it all. And for McCaffrey, Ben, a win in this game, I don't know if it locks it up, but he comes pretty doggone close to uh, being in Canton, Ohio in the Pro Football Hall of Fame when you've got a, a Super Bowl championship on your resume and the type of dominant back he's been in the league for the last four or five years. This would go a long way to cementing Christian McCaffrey's legacy. Absolutely, yeah. Very special player. Two guys that are so much fun to watch if you are a football fan. Pacheco, I like him because he, he just runs so angry. It's yeah, he rare. does to find a guy who's such a violent runner in today's game and um it is our combat sport it is our it is our gladiator sport whether we like to embrace it or pretend it's not and he runs in a way that that reminds us of that and Gaffrey just so versatile and can do so many different things and i'm excited that he gets a chance to play in these kind of games you always hate it when great players never get that shot yeah and it kind of you know it's it's a little bit of like the mike trout thing where got this amazing player, um, and he doesn't get a chance. So I'm with you on that. A big big win for him. Um, I think it's a big win for Nick Bolton, man, the Chiefs linebacker, yes. Mizzou product. This guy's playing in his second Super Bowl, and I think he's one of the better linebackers in the league. And he's at the heart of a, of a defense that's gone from being kind of a joke, the thing the Chiefs offense lugged around, to kind of the strength of the team. And uh, it's just really cool to see a Mizzou product having such a great career at such a nearby place that's competing for championships and great ambassador for Mizzou. So excited for him, and, and he's, he's, he's won great winding up with the Chiefs. He wasn't the world's highest draft pick, but clearly the Chiefs saw something and they look smart for it. And, and Ben, Kyle Shanahan there with the 49ers. We talked about Andy Reid last segment and that – the viewpoint many had on him that he could never get the job done. If the 49ers don't do it on Sunday, Kyle Shanahan going to be labeled the loser, right or wrong, he's going to have to wear it if his 49ers can't secure a victory on Sunday. And that's kind of a tough it's a tough reputation to have because clearly he's a tremendous coach. But when you consistently get deep into the playoffs, and don't win the whole thing. You're labeled as a guy. It, it, it's really, it really is a silly label. But he's going to wear that on Sunday night, Monday morning. I guarantee. If the Chiefs are winners and the 49ers are ultimately losers, man, it's uh, look. This is like the most um, like lacking evidence observation ever. But I'll just say it. Like watching him when you see clips of him on the sideline, he always just looks nervous. Um, like maybe that's kind of feeding into the unfair. You are, you are never, feeding in. He never quite looks like he's like super confident about the direction the game's going. So I'll I'll I'll, I'll jump on that bandwagon a little bit. I, I don't think I think the Chiefs are going to win this game. I don't want to blow our picks, but um, I think this does kind of set up to be a little bit of that uh, 49ers hard high but hard ceiling uh, game a little bit. So um, maybe this uh, maybe this builds that that narrative a little bit more. Maybe he needs a, a Patrick Mahomes. Brock Purdy's a winner. Um, I think that this guy's ability to, uh, to tune out all the just bogus stuff around him has been not only impressive, but honestly, like, probably inspiring to his teammates. He's, 
he's had to deal with all this Cam Newton drama. He's had to deal with all the Mr. Irrelevant storylines, and he just kind of seems to be a dude who's able to completely tune it out. And his teammates are, I think, kind of in awe of how just normal and and rooted he has remained. And in some ways, for a team that kind of feels like it can't win the big game, maybe that's been the difference maker a little bit. Um, And I don't know. I don't know if he can can do it, but uh, I've been impressed just with how he's handled all of this stuff publicly. The fact that a, a Mr. Irrelevant is a regular starter at quarterback in the NFL is remarkable enough. The fact that he's starting at quarterback in the Super Bowl, it, I don't feel like it's maybe even talked about enough. I feel like we've just we've just accepted it now over the last year since Purdy's emerged. But, dude, it, this is just an amazing story. Yeah, I mean, it's, maybe he's Flacco. Who cares? He's, he's in the... He's in the biggest game, which some great quarterbacks never get a shot to play in, and he does it by doing what needs to be done to, to win the game, and that's the number one part of the job. It doesn't always have to be pretty. You don't have to lead all the statistical categories. you got to find a way. It's kind of like a starting pitcher. Like, give me a quality start. Give him a chance to win. If you got a good team, then, then you don't have to be you know, the number one player in the league to, to go win the Super Bowl. So that, that makes the quarterback matchup interesting. So I, I think he's... He's a winner, winner, lose. Yeah. Um, my biggest loser of this Super Bowl might be all of the people who just ch- have chosen to have aneurysms about Taylor Swift. Like, I, I think people, I know a lot of it's, like, silly. Like, I think some of it's, like, attention-seeking kind of, like, um, stuff. You know, it's it, some of it's political, whatever. But there are people who, like, are actually, like, get their blood pressure up because Travis Kelsey is dating a pop superstar, and they show her for, like, small segments of, of the game, and I just can't imagine being so, whatever it is, uh, easy to to get anger, angry, easy to get irate about someone you don't know. Um, but the people who are actually going to have a worse Super Bowl experience because Taylor Swift will pop up from time to time. So silly. That's kind of a yeah. loser mentality. No doubt. <laughs> well, how about a final pred- a prediction here, Ben? I, I have uh, gone on the record several times today. I've picked the Chiefs, but here's an additional yeah. loser prediction I'm going to make. If there's a blowout in this game, I think it's the 49ers. I think if it if the margin of victory is like 14 or 21 points, I think it's San Francisco winning it because I do think there are elements where they're the better team, but they're not the more experienced. They don't have the intangibles like the Chiefs. So if it's a tight game down the stretch, I got Kansas City winning. But if there's yeah. a scenario where this game is a blowout, I think it's the 49ers. Yeah, I think there's a Mahomes element to that. If, if it's a close game, he's going to find a way to win it. And that's all he does. And I think his team has a higher level of confidence than other teams because of that fact. So if it's not a close game, better chance for the 49ers um, in terms of if it's going to be lopsided early or something like that. I've got my, my kind of sleeper pick. I think the Chiefs win, too. I saw somebody, I was reading some of the betting stories that are coming out today. Somebody based in Kansas City, uh, well, I guess it would be somebody, maybe somebody in Vegas, has put put like a ton of money on Pacheco to win the Super Bowl MVP. And I thought, man, that's kind of interesting because he's got great odds. You know he's going to he's going to be doing his thing and he's he's not Kel- if you're the 49ers, what have you done all week? Stop Kelsey, stop right. Mahomes, stop Kelsey, stop Mahomes and I thought, man, it would be it wouldn't shock me if this guy has a huge huge game in the Super Bowl. You know the Chiefs can't really trust their receivers. They trust Kelsey, but the 49ers know that, and they trust Patrick, but he's got to throw it to somebody. I, I kind of wonder if this Chiefs 
have a sneaky, sneaky impressive running game in the Super Bowl. So I might, I might take the Chiefs as a winner. That's predictable. But maybe I'll, maybe I'll jump in on Pacheco as Super Bowl MVP as my sleeper pick. Ben, I think that's a good call, and I think we'll uh, we'll see how wrong we all are coming up on uh, <laughs> on Sunday night, man. I appreciate it, and I'll uh, see you back here tomorrow. We'll do a little Mizzou game plan, so I can talk some Tigers, and uh, we'll tie a bow around this week. Hey, man, there will be a lot more upbeat, folks, when we're previewing the Battlehawks winning the UFL championship. Oh, yes, that okay? as well. Yes, absolutely. More coming up, 8 o'clock hour here on the Big 550.